Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. It's a new year, and we're going to have a lot of good stuff for you in this upcoming 2004. Uh, Mike Callahan, our public affairs director here at KDVS, is going to come on the program in the week, in the next couple weeks. And we're thinking about bringing on our other public affairs hosts, Jeff Kravitz, Dr. Andy, uh, Richard Estes, Ron Glick. We, at least we have been talking about this. Something's been set up definitely. But it would be fun, I think, to have everybody together for a show to talk about what we do and give some different perspectives. And we might want to bring the morning folks that do some such great work here at, um, at Public Affairs Broadcasting on KDVS, Front Senecal, the This Week in Science team, which we've had on. We've had Ted and Kirsten on the show already. We've had France on the show already. Uh, we have not had uh, Madeline when cooking with Madeline, but we, we would like to bring her on board, along with Shelly on the Wednesday program, and uh, Steve Valentino has been here, James Ma has not, so we'll probably have James come on the show, too. This is going to be fun. And looking ahead to our second segment today, we have a special guest, Professor Sherrod Malalu, Emeritus Professor of Sociology over at Cal State University, Sacramento. We've had numerous guests on this program uh, from UC Davis, being that we are the UCD station, our own Dr. Andy, of course. We've also had Dr. Mark Wheelis, Dr. Catherine Olmstead, Dr. Lynn Roller, Dr. Leslie Lyons, and now we'll be joined today by Dr. Sherrod Malalu. And it's about time, I think, we reached a hand across the causeway to link these two fine local institutions, Cal State Sacramento and UCD. And in our third segment today, we're going to do a special review with another, well, actually, we're not going to have Dr. Bruce Betts on the program, but he was on last August, we hope you were listening, gave us a very interesting preview about what's happening now at the planet Mars. Dr. Betts is a spokesman for the Planetary Society, and this correspondent went down to Pasadena, to the Pasadena Convention Center this last weekend for the Wild About Mars event at the Planetary Society. There were two events that they were celebrating. The um, flyby that took place at Comet, well, it's not Comet Wild, it's Comet Ville, I guess the guy must be German, that's going to actually be a return. They opened up this tennis racket-like object with aerogel on it to capture particles of this comet, which will be brought back to Earth about two years from now. This is going to be interesting. And of course, you've been following in the news the big story about the success of the Spirit Lander at Gusev Crater Mars. I want to tell you all about that. It was a very interesting time. I, I, I really, I got to tell you, that really was, that really was exciting for me to go there and be able to actually have a few words with Dr. Bruce Murray, Dr. Lewis Friedman, uh, those two gentlemen, along with Carl Sagan, back in 1980, founded the Planetary Society. Uh, Dr. Betts uh, is a very eloquent spokesman. He actually acted as MC for much of the events that were taking place in Pasadena. But uh, we're going to defer that to our third segment today. So, please, stay tuned for that. 
we got to do some current events. We we always have a backlog, it, it seems, and I want to blow through a bunch of stuff that's been taking place as we uh, roar into the new year. You know, actually, the new year did start off on New Year's Eve with a blues concert that took place uh, at Memorial Auditorium in Sacramento. Because I do sometimes contribute over to KXJZ, I did have tickets. I, I didn't go mainly because I was preparing for this program to produce excellence for your listening pleasure. Uh, actually, I'm not. I'm not a big blues fan. I'm kind of sorry I didn't go. Though would have been fun to hang out with Mick Martin and the, the that gang over at Capital Public Radio. Uh, uh, it would have been fun. Uh, now, my friend Martha, of course, cringes whenever I uh, say that I'm not a big blues fan. She's quite fond of the blues. Now, people ask sometimes, well, what is the blues? Thankfully, Martha has sent us an email that should enable us to explain what constitutes the blues in no uncertain terms. All right, this, uh, this email points out that most blues begin with, woke up this morning. Now, I got a good woman is a bad way to begin the blues unless you stick something nasty in the next line like, I got a good woman with the meanest face in town. <laughs> now, the blues is simple. After you get that first line right, you repeat it. Then find something that rhymes with it, like this. Got a good woman with the meanest face in town. Yes, I got a good woman with the meanest face in town. She got teeth like Margaret Thatcher and she weighed 200 pounds. Now, for those of you who are interested in the blues, we should point out that blues cars consist of Chevys, Fords, old Cadillacs, and broken-down trucks. Blues just don't travel in Volvos, BMWs, or SUVs. Walking plays a major part in the blues lifestyle, and so does Fixin' to Die. Now, teenagers, we're sorry to say, can't sing the blues. They ain't fixin' to die yet. It is adults who sing the blues. Now, adulthood is defined as being old enough to get the electric chair if you shoot a man in Memphis. Now, the blues can take place in New York City, but they can't take place in Hawaii or any place in Canada. Hard times in Minneapolis or Seattle is probably just clinical depression. Now, certain things may not qualify for the blues. A man with male pattern baldness ain't the blues. But a woman with male pattern baldness might be. Now, breaking your leg because you were skiing is not the blues. Breaking your leg because the alligator be chomping on it is. Now, some good places for the blues might be a highway, the jailhouse, an empty bed, or the bottom of a whiskey glass. Some bad places for the blues would be Nordstrom's, gallery openings, Ivy League colleges, or golf courses. Now, do you have the right to sing the blues? The answer would be yes, if you older than dirt, you blind, you shot a man in Memphis, or you can't be satisfied. It's felt that you cannot, however, sing the blues if you have all your teeth, you were once blind, but now you can see, the man in Memphis lived, or you have a 401k or trust fund. Now, some acceptable blues beverages would be cheap wine, whiskey or bourbon, muddy water, or nasty black coffee. But the following are not blues beverages. Perrier, Chardonnay, Snapple, or Slim Fast. 
And it should be pointed out that people with names like Amber, Jennifer, Tiffany, and Heather can't sing the blues no matter how many men they shoot in Memphis. And lastly, we'd like to give you your own blues name starter kit. What you do is you take the name of a physical infirmity, blindness, being crippled, lame, etc. You need to combine this with the first name of a fruit with the last name of a president. Example, Blind Lemon Jefferson, or alternatively perhaps, Jack Leg Lime Fillmore. All right. Thank you, Martha. And I, our background music there was, of course, The Immortal, Jimi Hendrix, and one of my favorite tunes of his, Red House. Now, he may not truly be a blues player, but, hey, that's a pretty good bit of blues in my book. Speaking of rock and roll musicians, apparently singer Ozzy Osbourne said he has given up riding all-terrain vehicles after a crash twice caused him to stop breathing, and left him in a coma for eight days. Osborne, 55, fractured his collarbone, eight ribs, and a neck vertebra when the 600-pound vehicle he was riding flipped and landed on top of him at his estate in Buckinghamshire. You know, I have to say, combining the former frontman for Black Sabbath and an all-terrain vehicle just seems like a recipe for disaster in my book. And speaking of the UK, it turns out that Princess Anne will send her dog to an animal psychologist to avoid having it euthanized after it attacked a royal maid and fatally mauled one of Queen Elizabeth II's beloved corgis, as reported by Britain's Sunday Telegraph. Apparently, psychologist Roger Mugford said he expected to begin work with Florence the Bull Terrier next week. We're not talking about an inherently aggressive or dangerous dog, Mumford was quoted in a newspaper as saying. I'm sure it's just a dog who is feeling a bit out of sorts about something, perhaps pain or old age, and is feeling a bit cranky on the day. We certainly wish psychologist Roger Mugford the best on his work with Florence, the bull terrier. Now I have an unconfirmed report of news from the UK that I have not been able to run down, but I wish to report it anyway, pending our further investigation. According to uh, my friend Bruce, who I was hanging out with in Los Angeles uh, this weekend, George Bush, while visiting the UK, was speaking with Tony Blair, the British Prime Minister, about the French and the problems with the French. And according to George Bush, the problem with the French is they have no word for entrepreneur. And if you can confirm that George W. Bush actually said that, please send us an email at info at radioparallax.com and we'll not only respond, we will read your letter on the air. Uh, Dateline Atlanta. Monster star dwarfs the sun. Astronomers have spotted what they believe is the biggest, brightest star they've ever seen. The star, known as LBV 180620, is 5 million to 40 million times as bright as the sun. It's at least 150 times as massive. This kind of uh, shocks astronomers. They weren't even sure that you could have stars this big. Well, apparently you can. And this one's going to uh, be studied intensely to see what it might teach us. 
And an item for you multitaskers out there. A lot of us, of course, find ourselves engaged in many activities simultaneously. Uh, They are, however, making driving and using a cell phone illegal in many uh, jurisdictions in the United States. Well, Carnegie Mellon University studied multitasking and decided that doing several things at once reduces the brain power a person can devote to each task, which does not sound terribly surprising. Does this surprise anyone out there? Um, researchers asked subjects to listen to sentences while comparing rotating objects. Although these tasks use different parts of the brain, the resources available for processing the visual input dropped 29%, while brain resources for listening dropped 53%. The results were worse when the two tasks involved used the same part of the brain. It doesn't mean you can't do several things at once, said the researchers, but you're kidding yourselves if you think you can do so without cost. And here's one of the best arguments I've ever heard against the necktie, and I generally don't like neckties. Uh, I especially didn't like having to wear neckties back when I was a medical student. I put my foot down and through most of my residency managed to avoid the infernal devices. And apparently I was ahead of my time because a British study shows that doctors' neckties can be lethal in a hospital setting which is something I thought of back then. As doctors work with patients and they're leaning over, their ties brush up against wounds and dirty surfaces, soaking up germs. Past studies have found that doctors' ties often can carry bacteria that are found in infections and trot them around from one person to the other. Researchers said there's no point being careful about gelling your hands between patients if your ties just landed in something nasty and then landed on the next patient. Hello? I'm glad we finally cleared this one up. Now, down in L.A., people were in a snit over the fact that the University of Southern California apparently did not get recognized as being the the number one team in the country. I don't know. The coaches vote in one poll. uh, Sports writers vote in another poll. I don't know which one won which, but the whole thing is, you know... This is why I was really against UCD going to Division I. I just hate this kind of like, you know high-powered, winning-at-all-costs, disgraceful um, spectacle that is college football and often college sports. But uh, I came around. I'm glad that we've gone up to Division I. Perhaps UCD can have uh, athletic programs that are not crassly commercial, and you can have athletes that are not dumbbells. Well, and speaking of that, I just ran into an old friend from medical school days. He was actually the president of our class. And... um, I hope he's going to come on our show in the future. I'm not going to say more than that right now, but I do hope that the good doctor will join us. He's a very interesting guy, and I'm sure we'll have some fun things to say. But I remember so well. It was Okay, it wasn't football. This involved basketball. But I remember so well that uh, a bunch of us were waiting. I think it was for the third, the third part of the Star Wars trilogy to open, and a bunch of us went down to see it, we medical students. And uh, my buddy was sitting in a lawn chair, cracking up at the Los Angeles Times, quoting a professional basketball player who just gotten a $10 million contract, and he was pleased about this and announced that one of the first things he was going to do was learn how to read. Keep in mind, he was a college graduate, but he was going to take his $10 million now and learn how to read. Apparently, he had already made some progress in this because he reported the times that, you know, if you're going to be a good reader, you've got to keep your vowels straight. And I have to say, I do believe this is true. If you want to be a good reader, you do have to keep your vowels straight. 
All right, we're just about up against it on time, so we're going to take a break in a minute, but not before we deal with one final disgraceful episode related to American sports, the story of Pete Rose. Pete Rose, of course, is uh, baseball's all-time leader in base hits. He was known as Charlie Hustle, played mainly for the, most famously for the Cincinnati Reds. Pete Rose was busted uh, 14 years ago or so for betting. He had a betting habit. He was a baseball manager, and he was betting. He was given a lifetime ban from baseball at that time by the then-commissioner Bart Giamatti, But now, 14 years later, after denying every inch of the way that he ever bet on baseball, in his new book, My Prison Without Bars, he acknowledges that he did, but says, well, I never bet that we would lose. He only bet that we would win. This guy is not apologetic about the fact that he did a very, very bad thing. Here's Rose's argument for why he should be in the Hall of Fame or should be reinstated in baseball. I know what you're thinking. Why now, Pete, after 14 years? The answer is simple, because it's time. Because I'm a little older and maybe a little wiser. Because it's what the fans want. His argument seems to be, okay, I've been lying about this for 14 years. Okay, I did it. Now give me a job back in baseball. Now time is running out for Rose. Apparently, uh, uh, sports writers do not vote for him in large numbers, which would be a whole controversy. If they vote to put him in the hall, will he be allowed in the hall? I I don't know. I haven't followed the details on this. But he's only got one more year of eligibility, after which, if he's going to get in, it would have to be through a veterans committee of old-timers that was specially convened to let in uh, players who, you know, due to racial discrimination and other things, never had a chance to be in baseball's Hall of Fame and go back and redress past wrongs. They are not going to let Pete Rose in. A lot of people there are adamantly against him. So time is running out. Pete is probably not going to get into the Hall of Fame at Cooperstown. And I think that is entirely fitting and proper, Mr. Rose. You pays your money, you takes your chances. One personal matter, when I was a boy, I saw a game with the Giants against the Cincinnati Reds, and Pete Rose, leadoff hitter, got a walk. He then threw his bat down and ran to first base. I thought, what's up? What happened? Something just happened? And realized, no. Pete Rose would just run out his walks to first base to show that he was a hustling kind of guy. He was also a hustling kind of guy during an all-star game, an all-star game, an exhibition game, when famously he slid into home plate and ended the career due to a severe injury of the catcher on the opposing team. Anyway, that's enough of that. You're listening to Radio Parallax. We're going to have some more uh, more scholarly-type material in our second and third segments today. So stay tuned for Dr. Sherrod Malalu and our discussion of what went on at Planet Fest down in Pasadena this last weekend. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Oh, and I'm Douglas Everett, and this is Radio Parallax. Oh. 